Hello, and welcome to The Real Folk Reviews. I'm Samuel, and I first saw Stray Dog Strut about 15 years ago. I'm Georgie, and I first watched this episode about two hours ago. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. So, Georgie, last episode was a gritty, violent bloodbath with uh, bodies flying everywhere, murders, Mm. suicide, hard drug use, partner abuse, etc, etc. This episode featured around chasing a corgi and nobody died. Was that what you were expecting? (laughs) At this point, I don't think I can safely say I expect anything. (laughs) I have no idea what's going to happen. I definitely during that episode was wondering when the crux of the narrative was going to occur. <laughs> like, I was like, is is there more or are we just chasing a dog? <laughs> uh, well, we start this episode by meeting a new character, our bounty for this week, Abdul Hakim. Well, actually, the first thing we see is some f- stuff floating in a toilet. That's That's very true, yes. Yeah, yeah. I can't quite tell what it is he put in the toilet because I'm guessing it's just just toilet paper which i think should be a relief really uh, for the no. viewer uh, yes but actually it's it's kind of worse than that it's um it's his surgical bandages from, oh, his, from his face yeah oh did i okay i think i just must have missed yeah so uh but yes clearly what we learn from this opening is that no cowboy bebop villain may ever relieve themselves in peace <laughs> yeah well and we do have them visiting the the men's bathroom in asteroid blues as well yeah that's quite early on in that episode we've got realism isn't that nice yep <laughs> no this isn't star wars yet we're we're on the other side of the wall now everyone's <laughs> uh let's let's not carry that uh line of thought on too far um, <laughs> so, but yeah um, so um yes yeah, so we meet uh hakim uh and he is quickly confronted by some authorities of some kind who who well not maybe not authorities people who want to kill him or at least want to get the dog back yeah but we don't know that oh, yeah, yet, we don't so. know it's a dog people who are pointing guns at him uh yeah we don't know there's a dog god you just ruined it i'm sorry that i ruined that stray dog strut contains a dog hey it could have been a metaphor it was a metaphor for the fact this episode has a dog in it that's not that oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the next thing we see is uh, Big Shot, the, yeah. the TV show Big Shot uh, on the Bebop. Yeah, I wanted that to last way longer so I could observe more things from it because it, it seemed to go so fast and I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and thankfully you do get a little reprise of it towards the end of the episode as well so you can watch it again and just just Revel totally befuddled by it. Because <laughs> yeah. you've got... You've got sort of i think like a mexican character who's doing a stereotypical cowboy impression so he's he's got he's got like a amigo yeah mexican <laughs> accent but then throwing in like had a cowboy it did make me think that voice actor did a good job at that oh yeah yeah no I, well t- i think all of the like because clearly it's not in universe meant to be a good show it's meant to be <laughs> it's garbage. trash yeah it's, it's <laughs> complete trash but i think 
they do a good job of making it look like convincing trash like the 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 music that yoko kano does for this thing the you know the kind of jangly banjo music sounds exactly like if if this was a real show this is exactly the soundtrack that it would have and you've got the grainy static going across the screen so mm. for so which makes it seem like they've got a wired connection despite yes. the fact they're in space <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and, and and it's clearly you know parodying yeah and then you've got this ridiculous bimbo presenter alongside him who's got some industrial strength nipple tape yeah yeah that's, that's really uh, really keeping that jacket in place yeah that's that's something that can happen in anime and could not happen in real life <laughs> well um, i understand that there are some you know you just you see celebrities and some really quite revealing things and think how on earth are they not slipping out right now like it's genuinely impressive that they're defying gravity defying i don't know what other kinds of forces bring two objects together <laughs> uh, defying momentum yes defying, yes you know, that sort of pendulous movement anyway should we move on moving on from breast <laughs> physics we've <laughs> I think it's it's really quite a clever way of delivering exposition in your show because that's mm-hmm. basically what this is. You're introducing Hakeem and yeah. you're introducing basically information that the characters already know, which is always something that's really annoying. But here you have the two times we see Big Shot in the show. One time Spike is kind of barely watching it mm. and at the end they're not even watching it at all it's just on yeah um so you can deliver information that the audience needs to know that the characters don't need to know without it well, I say without it feeling forced. The whole show feels forced, but without it feeling externally forced as it was. I do know what you mean. Yes, it's exposition without feeling obtrusive. It's, it's entertaining exposition. It's not just exposition for the sake of it. So we learn about the, their bounty for this episode, um, which Spike just yawns his way through quite uh, expansively. <laughs> yeah. And then very rapidly, they get a call from this scientist guy with a tip-off well he's he's the surgeon who modified hakeem's face so that's how he he knows about that um Mm. and what he looks like um and sells them that information for very reasonable rates it has to be said (laughs) that's um that's something else um logic logic of bounty prices i found quite funny because last episode asimov was worth 2.5 million woolongs uh and so the the logic in Cowboy Bebop seems to be commit multiple homicides and steal an absolutely vast quantity of high-grade military drugs, uh, 2.5 million woolongs. Steal a novelty dog, well, 8 million woolongs, my friend. <laughs> well, is that or is that not a reflection of how society works? Like, we care way more about when, you know, what was the, the lion, Cecil, Cecil the lion or something? I Oh, they got remember. they got shot by a dentist or something, and ever and you know, and like the entire country got really, really upset about it. Yeah. And you know, I I think that's not not unreasonable as a reflection of of who we are as people. We care more about about uh, animals than we do about yeah uh, the crime underground situation. Yeah, yeah, you you went more profound there than I was. Oh, aiming. sorry. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, so the doctor explains what Hakeem looks like. Which seems to be entirely useless for when <laughs> when uh, Spike confronts who he thinks is Hakeem the first time, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, he just assumes he must have changed his face again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, sorry, before that, there's, yeah, this guy, uh, Hakeem goes into a bar, and um, a, a bar in a notably Chinese district. The whole episode mm. seems to 
be playing out in a kind of Chinatown of whatever this city is on Mars. And this one idiot bumps into Hakeem and is forced to drink a cockroach. Yeah, I don't love that. Didn't didn't love it. Well, you don't you don't really see much. No, it does. It does. It's a rapid interaction, so it's not not the worst. And uh, this other idiot uh, steals Hakeem's suitcase, which uh, obviously we'll we'll finish out what's happening with this guy. But I just want to say this guy is incredibly lucky that he's in this episode and not Asteroid Blues, because he would be so dead. If oh, he was yeah, he'd <laughs> taken the bloody eye and just... Yeah. <laughs> ah, see red, destroy, destroy. Yeah, you don't, you don't usually get to live if you behave like this in... <laughs> Cowboy Bebop. But. No, yeah. Hakeem runs out after him and he very quickly loses track of the of this guy who's stolen his suitcase and just casually punches some charcuterie that's hanging up to the side of him, which I, I think that was my favourite moment of the whole show. My my favourite moments in this episode are basically Hakeem punching things. It's not even a side of... It's like a whole pig carcass. Yes. <laughs> yes. As a London bus goes behind him for some reason. Oh, does it? I missed that. Yeah, I, I'd only noticed that on this watch, but... Uh, <laughs> Spike goes out looking for Hakeem, and this is probably where I've got my Jet Black Space Dad for this week. <laughs> okay. Which is where uh, Jet says, don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Or should I say, don't count your ducks. It's such a dad joke. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's such a dad thing to be like, don't go get ahead of yourself, son. Well, <laughs> we have my... my um, um, Blake Space Dad, not not Blake. What am I trying to say? What's the Jet Black? Jet Black, Jet Black Space Dad moment is a little bit later. Actually, we'll move on to yeah. to a very memorable scene, the pet shop scene. Uh, I actually, I mean, this like we can talk about this more later. But another thing that I really liked about this episode is all of the side characters had so much that they brought, like energy wise, even if they did zero for the narrative, including the woman who ran the pet shop. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> she and her, she and her double act, the little tortoise on her head, yeah. that mimics her expressions. <laughs> yeah. So Spike rocks up and just immediately assumes the the only man who's there must be the guy he's looking for. Yeah. Like, does he have any other reason to think that it must be him, other than he was pointed towards this shop? It does. It does seem a big assumption. Also. I question the usefulness of Hakeem changing his appearance, given that he appears to be about eight feet yeah, tall. That, I, yeah, <laughs> I thought that afterwards as well. Like, if you have this other information about this person you're pursuing, you should remember that he's an absolute giant. Although and you can't, you know, well, maybe in this world you can, but one would assume that his stature is something that he wouldn't have been able to physically alter with the surgery in the same way he did his face. So if this guy is average size, why do you assume, and he's not got the face that the doctor just gave you the information about? Yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah. Um, there is, there is some stuff in this episode that kind of just moves the story forward without maybe pausing to explain itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, of course... The the misunderstanding is cleared up. This is not Hakeem because he's just carrying an, a completely worthless dog that nobody would want. Inside of a suitcase. Oh, I know, I know. But he gets out of the suitcase. Yeah. Also, one of the things that I noticed as well was that when the um, the surgeon at the beginning is giving them the information, he mentions how he was he Hakeem had this suitcase that he seemed to be protective oh, and yeah. he's and he says that it's you could fit a small person inside it 
Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a huge suitcase and that suitcase is not big enough. It fits a corgi. Corgis are not that big. No. In the Japanese, actually, he says a woman. You could fit a woman inside of it, oh, which is it? like, what? No, you couldn't. <laughs> but anyway, we've got a corgi inside the suitcase. And he's a corgi. wonderful corgi. I love corgis. Are you uh, a dog person, Sam? I am, but my histamine system is not. Ah, that's a shame. Yeah. Also, I do kind of like having my own space a bit sometimes, and dogs are not interested in that <laughs> at all. I suppose it might depend on the dog. But then again, if you try and get a dog that's not very like a dog, are you really a dog person? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, when um, we talked about the icebreaker question at the beginning, my question was going to be, are you a cat or a dog person? Ah, okay. Which I think could have potentially led us down a you know a dangerous path. We might have been getting a lot of trolls having opinions about this if we were to have that debate. So maybe we should stop now. Yeah, that's that's going to be the most controversial thing we ever say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this. you know, you've just said some things that are slightly negative about having a dog, and and that is just woof. That's I mean, ha, woof. You're you're <laughs> picking a side there. We're using their slogan. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop barking up the wrong tree. Ah, uh, ha, ha, ha. Am I hounding Any... you with this conversation? <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> right. Should we take a pause? Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's, yes. Let's probably talk about the episode rather than just yeah, dogs no, yeah. in general. Like the, the eternal debate of, of canine versus feline must, must pause here yep. uh, Although... for other experts to take up that mantle. So, yeah, so we've opened the suitcase in this lovely lovely fluffy corgi is in there um we determined that the corgi is in no way valuable uh, by the estimates of of those present anyway yeah and so yeah spike wanders off the guy keeps haggling uh and hakeem shows up and the poor lady who runs the shop is just not again within seconds there's another gun wielding idiot in her shop yep and one with absolutely no sense of humour this time. or mm. And uh, much taller, got a lot more feet on him. Yes, of course. He tries to reclaim, Iron is the name of the corgi. I don't know if you uh, picked up on yeah, that. Yeah, no, I don't remember them saying that in the episode. They, they don't say it out loud. It's on his food bowl at the end. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's the only way you'd know at this stage. When Ayn jumps and Hakim's gun goes off, from this point on, it basically follows the logic of something like Tom and Jerry or Bugs Bunny. Uh, <laughs> because there is no way that that many animals could possibly be in this building, let alone the variety of animals. Oh, that I love seen. it. There's an ostrich, there's something a- that looked like a phoenix came out. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lemur. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's beautifully timed because like you you yeah you get that weird phoenix thing. You get the lemur, and the the lady's kind of screaming, looking around, her, and then just the ostrich charges past. It's <laughs> kind of the crowning <laughs> cherry on the cake. So we have all these animals running out, and then chaos ensues. Chases of animals and people and boats and cars and. And and even more Not, vehicles arrive later with more chases. So in the chase scene, when it's getting started, Ayn is running away and Hakeem, for some reason, decides to pick up an orange and throw it at him. Yeah. And then just a cascade of fruit comes down, which again, a, definitely a, a Looney Tunes thing that throwing one orange suddenly yeah, transmutes well, into a whole bunch of fruit. Was, this the, was it this section or was it the later chase when you had the scientists running behind them as well? Was that later? Uh th- or is it the first one? No, it's it's later. Is that yeah. okay? Is that later? They're, they're in the car and stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, no, they're on on foot, running straight behind oh, them. Okay, it must be here then. Yeah, I think, I think I think it is as well because you've got 
Hakeem running first. Well, you got the corgi running first, and then Hakeem. And the scientists briefly are in the middle, but Spike is apparently an excellent sprinter and goes right past them. And then you've got this series of um, Hakeem elegantly jumping over a table where people are playing yeah. chess or something. The corgi runs under the table. Spike runs into the table. And then the scientists directly behind are just confronted by all this angry mess. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I, I loved that whole sequence. It was very Scooby-Doo. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an awful lot of fun. I wonder whether the reason why he throws an orange is so that Hakim's appearance is based on a basketball player called Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and also played the antagonist against Bruce Lee in a film. Oh, so that might be... Interesting. I, I was wondering whether the reason he throws an orange is because... Symbolising a basketball. basketball. Yeah. I think you might be thinking a bit too hard with that one, but I don't you have know. it if you want. I don't... The thing is, this is exact, that is exactly the kind of thing this show would do. It's very referencing. <laughs> okay. I'll have to take your word for it as the expert. Yeah, you do. That's that's the rules of the show. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> um, I shall sit here and just accept all of your opinions. That's what I really like in a good discussion show is where one person says something and the other person just kind of, you know, might as well not be there and just lets, lets the wisdom wash over them. Seems that way. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just going to bring this up now. It seems like you enjoyed this episode an awful lot more than Asteroid Blue. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting. I want to talk about that when we get to the end and we do the ranking. Okay, so the chase ends with um, Spike and Ayn uh, and Hakeem, or Spike and Hakeem have a fight on the bridge, and then Ayn jumps off the bridge onto the boat. Um, Hakeem follows him, and Spike, of course, follows Hakeem. But then Ayn turns around, jumps into Spike's face, and in a very physics-defying motion, causes Spike to miss the boat and land in the river. Yeah, it seems like the Corgi is really doing some expert tactics, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This episode, actually, for a lot of people, this was the first episode of Cowboy Bebop they saw. The initial network that aired it in Japan only aired some of the episodes like asteroid blues was t- considered too violent and too having too much drug use it was only at a, a 6 p.m time slot right um so and um koichi amadera who played spike in the japanese jokes that for people watching this is the first episode it would seem like ein was the main character of the show yeah it did occur to me how you know i mentioned already that there are so many side characters and actually, if you counted how many words Spike says in this episode, he certainly doesn't, it doesn't add up to being the main character of the episode. No, no, he's just kind of the one doing the chasing. Yeah. He's just another actor. In, yeah, I, if, if there is a driving force behind the narrative, like somebody thinking things through and planning, it's definitely Ayn rather than anyone else. <laughs> I suppose so. The Corgi has the plan. He does have the plan. And... Yes, so ends up back on the ship. Yeah, and they decide between them that this is indeed an, a completely uh, valueless animal. <laughs> um, and yeah, but that they still want to try and get Hakeem. So yes, um, they decide, well, Jet Black Space Dad decides maybe we should take Doggy for a walk <laughs> and see if we can lure Hakeem out. So then, yes, yeah, so we jump back down to Mars again. Quite it never swiftly. occurs to any of them to wonder why Hakeem is so no. fixated on getting this top. Yeah, I mean, that is a thing that I just found a bit weird about the whole episode, is that I knew instantly 
that this dog was an important dog. <laughs> and yet none of the other characters seem to pay attention. But yeah, but maybe, I guess they're, like we said, they're kind of not really the focus of this episode so much as no. as he is. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just is. felt like they were they were all a little bit um they had their iq turned down for yeah, this level exactly that's a much episode. better way than i was just gonna say it. <laughs> they're all a bit stupid this episode yeah um, actually i don't know if hakim is stupid as such he i mean he's not gonna win any awards <laughs> for intelligence but he's i i find him really really funny because he's completely humorless he has no <laughs> inkling that he's in a comedy episode like it, when he emerges from the water it's yeah. with a completely deadpan face with the bait uh, dangle thing oh yeah that, on his head. yeah just stuck in his afro <laughs> doesn't even register yeah and thwacks those two children <laughs> yes i did enjoy no that emergence from the water like an episode you know from jaws or something yeah. just rising up or a killer whale or i don't know something um that i did think was very funny <laughs> how unimpressed he was with these two 12 year old boys who are fishing because he's big he just keeps he's so tall he just keeps going going. (laughs) that was the first moment i properly registered how tall he was i know that that you can see it in previous scenes as well but that but that was the first moment where he just like are they doing that for effect no no he's actually that big by comparison to his surroundings it's not a choice (laughs) it's not like a a, you know a camera angle to make him look bigger nope he is just a tall dude very very tall very very serious man yes of course he then then rings up his contact and doesn't appear to find anything at all funny about the fact that he is code name snoop (laughs) he is code name snoop is that i mean is someone having a reference there to snoop dog yes yeah of course they are okay cool Uh. (laughs) or indeed snoopy is snoop dog named after snoopy i don't know maybe he is He must be. I can't think why else he would have that name. That's odd. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, Snoop Dogg seems very innocent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Spike's Spike's walking iron. Uh, Hakeem is wandering around looking increasingly desperate. And I'm I'm guessing we now meet one of those side characters who you were saying gives some flavour to the Yes, yeah. So, he meets another fortune teller we had a fortune teller in the previous episode as well and he meets yes another um sort of down on his luck gentleman on the side of the street who yes says he can tell him his fortune and he's got a a bird that helps him do it i like that there are lots of little bird like extra creatures in this episode as well that seem to do part of the storytelling so he's got a camera pico or or something pico yeah is what he calls the bird yeah who um pulls the cards out of the box i don't know is that actually a, like a traditional form of of fortune telling. Oh, I have no idea. No, because you know you have like the things where you you drop uh, like there's like a these sort of sticks that you drop and how they land helps you tell the future. Like there's so ma- yeah. there's so many ways of performing like occlumency. No, not occlumency. That's that's Harry Potter. Like what's what's the word I'm trying to think of? That's just all these fortune divination. 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 <laughs> okay. That's the word. I'm that's also for. Harry Potter. It is also Harry Potter, but it's also a word. <laughs> I'm quite surprised he Hakim stops to speak to him. It does seem a bit out of character. I think the implica I read that as he's just so desperate he'll try anything. He he but kind he's of, just so straight faced about it. But yeah, he does have a moment of hesitation where he's like, Am I really gonna do this? And then he's like Tell I am, me. I am desperate to find the corgi. I will try anything. 
the guys the um the the little cards that the bird goes to there's literally just two cards in front of it that one says yes and the other says no in chinese yeah (laughs) Um, well effectively that's what they say uh there isn't a literal translation for yes and no in chinese but as close as you get in chinese to i yes would like no. to know if, if if that is some form of of fortune telling that actually exists or whether they've created it just for for the show yeah um, but anyway yeah so hakeem stops for that and then we also see the somewhat hapless scientists in their um surveillance van thing that's driving around the city and <laughs> i really i did enjoy their their interactions um with the guy who's who's much more um on the job trying to like do this thing he's and getting away from us that sort of <laughs> seems thing, yeah. that way he has no understanding of the effort we've put into this seems that way yeah no, there we go that's <laughs> reduced to just quoting the episode now but uh it it is it is a fun dynamic they have and uh, yeah i do i do enjoy his um refusal to admit that he didn't know that the dogs couldn't hear that the humans couldn't hear the dog whistle yes that was fun uh yes so they decide to set off the dog whistle even though you know what happens when we set off that (laughs) and then the entire city is suddenly filled with the raging of the local canine population like like the bulls of pamplona they're just running through the streets causing havoc iron apparently despite being more intelligent than most dogs is still completely made into a buffoon by this dog whistle mm-hmm. uh, although he is still intelligent enough to dodge the net that the uh <laughs> the scientists <laughs> fire at him and just capture hundreds of useless dogs yes but, yeah, i mean you know wonderful them. wonderful dogs don't get me wrong <laughs> dogs yeah we don't want to anger the, the dog loving community the but, doggers as they like to be called i'm I sh- i'm sure that is what they like to be called yep i'll call them that next time i meet them yep you're the keenest dogger I've ever met, also. <laughs> <laughs> you could near get through that phrase. So anyway, yes, we have all the dogs chasing uh, this whistle. Um, <laughs> and then another chase ensues. I really enjoy the music that plays during this chase. It's like it's a great ex- a, a great example of the music itself isn't inherently funny. It's just really frenetic. Like it's this very chaotic kind of, you know high energy jazz yeah there was there was a song i can't remember when it was in the episode but i just remember catching a bit of the lyrics where they said sort of something um in french and then immediately in english it was like or something else in french yeah (laughs) bonhomie or something french like that yes uh, yeah Yeah, that that did make me giggle as well yeah it doesn't really have anything to do with the scene but no no but but the music is is a noteworthy aspect of of the episode Definitely, yeah, and it it definitely helps this chase to feel uh, both exciting and you know as ridiculous as it is. Yeah, the best Hakeem punching somebody moment in this episode comes during <laughs> this chase with the bride and groom just <laughs> one of them turning to the other and saying, "Are you happy?" And she says something like "Perfectly," or uh, "Yeah, you know, this is perfect." And then Hakeem. Jumps with, into their bridal carriage. Yeah, with no, again, with no expression on his face whatsoever <laughs> other than this focused rage. Just appearing to have no understanding that this is a wedding he's entering. I did really enjoy that whole, yeah, with the groom, you know, you just see him kind of dodge into a shot and be like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Gets punched readily in the face. And then I love the sound of the bride in the back going, Hold! <laughs> 
that made me giggle. Uh, that's the best bit of the episode. Oh, no, no question. I think. Now, for me, it's still punching the uh, the charcuterie. So yeah, this is where the uh, the chase becomes other forms of of uh, transport, and yes, and Spike decides to leap into his spaceship that was com- parked conveniently close by because he just all of a sudden is in it. Yep. Ah, uh, magic. A wizard did it. Yep. Um, yeah, Ein changes hands a few times. You know, yeah. People get ahead of each other. People yep. get behind each other. Oh, and it's actually, this is chaotic. this is the bit that's my moment for Jet Black Space Dad is when he goes, "Now, Spike, don't go getting hot tempered now." Because a big part of being Space Dad is knowing that your advice will go completely unheeded. Yeah, he says it with an with a very placid smile as well. Yeah, it's like oh, I'm just gonna watch and see what happens here. I've yep. said what I've said what I said. The consequences now are on him. Yep. Uh, and Spike decides to start ramming the top of the car with his shit. Yeah, just yeah, just butting it. Um, why? Why does the scientist's van have a harpoon? Why, how did they know they were going to be in this a circumstance where you would need to harpoon a car? I feel like it's like you know that James Bond setup where it's like if you're given the tool, it must come of use at some point in the in the in the movie. Yep. I I think you're probably right about that. Yeah, so some Q um, character within their organisation presented them with all of these bit, you know, gadgets at the beginning that we haven't seen. The one in- who explains the dog whistle, that's who, yes, that's who did yes, it. Yes, yes, exactly. And yeah, and we're just seeing the, uh, the use of those gadgets. Ian apparently also knows how to drive a car or <laughs> figures it out intuitively, which is probably his most incredible moment of intelligence. Uh, I thought that he just picked up on how to make it harder for someone else to drive. Oh, yeah, that could be as well. But he seems to be actively pressing buttons on the steering wheel. Yeah, but that to me just looked like, you know, just I am just hitting whatever's around me to make this hard for you. Yeah. I mean, it's still, you know, a lot smarter than most. Oh, yeah, yeah. He also seems to be in um, unaffected by the sort of sleep spray that yeah, it, Hakim it puts uses. him out very briefly and yeah really up. briefly although i did I, every time i watch this episode when he does that i do go no <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so, his little face drops doesn't he yeah and yeah, he kind of gives a little, little whimper yeah. um but yeah then he's back and i what and what i should be giving a whimper at happens when he jumps out of the the car uh, <laughs> no that's oh, no, a cat, like a cat. <laughs> Yes, bad. No, that's a frog, if anything. Yeah, no, it wasn't good. And of course, this is where Spike has a moral decision to make. <laughs> he has to decide what sort of person he wants to be. Is he somebody who gets the eight million woolongs and gets the job done no matter what the cost? Or is he somebody who flies a spaceship into a dog and obliterates it if this wasn't an episode that operated on cartoon logic? <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the most sympathetic we've seen spike up to this point but he wants to you know well you were making quite the case for the first episode with asteroid blues you were quite keen on um expressing that you felt like he was doing a lot to try and help uh katarina yeah it, it is katarina isn't it yes katarina is her name yeah. hey well done me but part of the reason why i was fairly sure about that is because i know him a bit better and i know he's not that ruthless a person Obviously, that's not necessarily evident until here, where he, not even, you know, a a dog of no value to him, can he let get killed if it means a vast amount of money. So, he Mm. can't be all bad. 
Oh no, I don't don't think he comes across as bad. He certainly doesn't seem to be a dog person. No. But yeah, that's more or less the end of the episode. We with them. Um, so he yeah chooses the dog, and then uh, we jump back into uh, Big Shot, the um, the bounty hunters. I don't know local news slash reality TV to get a bit more exposition about who the dog actually is exposition which would probably lead to i'm being sold back to the people he's been trying to escape immediately if he wasn't actually maybe that's why he's being so like obnoxious and spraying himself on spike and stuff because across the rest of the show he's usually a very well behaved dog not this episode but the show in general i was going to say in this episode he's definitely not no but he's in he's in dire straits but i wonder whether he's creating a distraction so they don't hear oh i'm worth something they're saying i'm worth something i need to make (laughs) sure these people don't get wind of that yeah they do seem so oblivious to it even though yeah the show is playing feet from spike's face yeah he he i probably didn't need to worry no. He's, he's protected by plot armor from them finding that out. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, Ayn joins the crew of the Bebop and we have a new member. Yay! How am I supposed to edit this, Georgie? <laughs> How am I supposed to edit that sound? I don't know, I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be. Okay. Uh, so just a few things in general about the episode that we have touched on already, but I... I really loved all of the side characters that were going on in here i think that they brought a lot to it um that i mean because spike and indeed jet doesn't have a whole lot of to say in the actually they're both quite stoic um at least in this episode the two that i've seen um so they bring a lot of energy that perhaps might not otherwise be there yeah I'd I'd say that usually Cowboy Bebop is a show where the episodes are defined by the guest characters more than they are. The show's defined by the core cast, but the epi- individual episodes tend to be defined by the guest characters. Mm, yeah, because we've got the fortune teller guy, we've got the pet shop owner, uh, the the thief who <laughs> who has another little cameo right at the end, sweeping up the pet shop yeah. um, to help out the owner. Well, I say help out. I think she's insisting on his help this is Um, his community service yeah um and we've got who else do we have oh the 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 guy who um hakeem shoved the cockroach drink down his throat like that was a bit of an odd character as well that had quite a lot of energy and even the voice of the of the person behind the bar who served Mm. hakeem his drink like there's quite a lot coming from all of those little bits and and the scientists as well yeah Yeah, the the scientists are a lot of fun yeah all of these people are barely in it. So it's it's not like Asimov and Katarina where any of these people have any deep characterization. No. Um any longer on screen for any of these people and they'd wear out their welcome. But yes. They are just gags who yeah. work quite well. Yeah, the episode in general felt like a series of gags. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's just dog chase and another dog chase, you know, sandwiching little cameos from other people and yeah just random interactions quite light entertainment throughout which actually is also characterized by the big shot characters yeah there's really no attempt to take anything seriously in this episode it's yeah it it couldn't be much more of a contrast from the first episode to this one yeah but it is and because it's so packed with things which is was the case with asteroid blues as well um i did actually watch this episode twice okay because i 
feel all the time like I'm missing things that happen so rapidly. Like the fact that I didn't realize that, you know, he was wearing bandages at the beginning. Yeah. I watched it twice and I still didn't get that. Oh, well, there's loads of... Honestly, there's stuff that I only picked up on this watch having watched it. You know, I can't count how many times. Yeah. Like I'd never... I'd never picked up this, but there's a reading of the the scene at the beginning where the first guy bumps into Hakeem and is made to drink the cockroach, where that guy is the is actually collaborating with the guy who steals the suitcase. That guy is uh, just acting opportunistically. Yeah. He's yeah. except you never see that guy again. No, he you do because he is sweeping up the oh, the yeah, pet shop do. at the end, which I'd always wondered why is he there? <laughs> what did what did he do to offend her? But if he was in on the theft then it would kind of make sense that they were doing community service together. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. Although I feel like maybe normally when they do that bit, they don't get a cockroach shoved down their throat. Yeah, I feel like what happened to that guy was so extreme that I think it just always blotted from my mind the idea that he might have been doing any of this deliberately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it scared him straight. Also, if you were trying to pick someone to rob... Don't pick the (laughs) eight-foot... Scary Wall dude. Of muscle. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like he's about to rip rip the head off the barman for no particular reason. He is not in the mood, guys. Do not grip this guy. I don't know if this is actually correct or not, but is the aesthetic quite different to the first episode? Like the actual animation drawings look I'd, different. I'd say they look a bit more cartoonish in general, yeah. Mm. Like the big the big um, welt on the doctor's face at the beginning, the on the surgeon's face at the beginning. He's got like a comedy cartoon lump on his face from where Hakeem has punched him. Um, Hakeem thought- punching begins before Hakeem even starts punching. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Jets... He's drawn differently, he's, quite he's a lot differently. Yeah, yeah he, he had a much more Wolverine vibe in the first one that made him a bit more intimidating appearance was, whereas this one he looked a bit more... Avuncular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked m- sort of like the more mature, um, sensible, approachable one, really, of the two of them. Whereas in the first one, he still definitely looked more, yeah, intimidating. I Yeah, I'm noticing this time that the, I think the drawing crystallises a couple of episodes from now. But they're, because I, you know, because these are the first couple, I think they're kind of still figuring out how mm-hmm. to draw this show a bit. And, you know, they are, they are different in tone as well, so it kind of fits but but they they definitely at least the main the main characters start being drawn more consistently as we carry on through mm. the through the show. Cool. Okay. The episode is named after Stray Cat Strut, which is a song by the Stray Cats from their 91 album Stray Cats. It's about a stray cat. Oh. Surprisingly. That's a surprise. Yeah. So so actually that debate about are you a cat person or a dog person extremely relevant here. it's it's very germane actually not least because so throughout this series spike is compared to a cat both explicitly and implicitly you can probably already see some of why and the the song stray cat strut which i'd quite recommend it's quite um, it's a fun little song um it's it's basically about a stray cat who has lot who struts who has lots of confidence despite the fact that he's living on the street and i was thinking some of the lyrics of that song, though they don't describe this episode particularly, would describe Spike quite well. Like, um, I'm flat broke, but I don't care. I strut right by with my tail in the air. <laughs> I'm also just having a flashback to a poem I remember I could do off by heart when I was about nine years old. But I think the poet Mike Jubb, 
and I can, I, I'm just hearing it. In my, I mean, this is in no way relevant, but I just, I can hear it in my head <laughs> right now. It's like, I'm a cat with nine and I'm in my prime. I'm a Casanova <laughs> cat and I feel I'm fine. Strolling down the street in my white slipper feet. Yeah, all the little lady cats are looking for us. Sorry, I can keep, I, I know the whole thing. It was quite a long poem, but I'll stop there. <laughs> To be honest, it sounds like it was largely plagiarised from Stray Cat Strut, or Stray Cat Strut was largely plagiarised from it. I don't know the age of the relative age of the pieces, but the, that borders a lot on. Really? <laughs> oh my, wow! Okay. Uh, no, so yeah, the poet came to my primary school and he performed it. So, like the way I'm saying it back to you is how I remember him doing it in my head. So, actually, if it's from this song, I feel like my childhood is a lie. Rankings. Georgie, where would you rate, of the two, mm. wh- so yeah, ba- at this stage, which did you like better, Asteroid Blues or Stray Dog Strut? Purely for entertainment value, I preferred this one. Mm-hmm. But actually, I would say just in terms of like interesting plot and, you know, discussion, Asteroid Blues has more to talk about, but I enjoyed this one more, so I'll say this one. Yeah, the vibe you were giving off was definitely that you enjoyed this one a lot more. Because I am very immature. I wasn't going to say it. But but it's true. Up to you whether or not it's I was true. thinking it. Um, I am no, But it, it, is, it is more fun. Um, I'm going to rank Asteroid Blues above this one, but I think I'd say Asteroid Blues is... Sorry, just demonstrating my childishness. That's your stray dog strut coming out, uh, blowing raspberries at people for no reason. Yeah, because if it was the cat, it would be far more classy and yeah. standoffish and aloof. Yep. Whereas a dog yep, just, just blows raspberries in your face. Yeah, just all all tongues with dogs. Isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's how they communicate. Um, <laughs> Asteroid Blues, definitely, you know, it, there's more, there's substance there and there isn't any substance at all here, which is, is fine. It, there's not really trying to be. But I'd say that does mean that Asteroid Blues, even though I, we both had problems with that episode, you a lot more so than me, Asteroid Blues has far lower lows than this episode, but it also has higher highs. And it gives you... You, th- you think about it, it stays with you, whereas that's not really the case with this one. I would agree with that. Also, I think the music in Asteroid Blues is... The music in this, again, is kind of all roughly of one tone. It's it's good, but it's, you know, it's all kind of fun, lighter, let's have some fun, jazzy kind of pieces. Whereas in Asteroid Blues, you get a huge range of music straight out of the gate. You get kind of mournful saxophone pieces and this strange eerie wild west harmonica sound and uh vocal and guitar ballads and all all that sort of good stuff yeah yeah definitely in terms of cultural depth you know you've got casablanca with asteroid blues and scooby-doo with stray dog strut but hey sometimes you're in the mood for scooby-doo and you don't really want to watch casablanca oh absolutely i'm almost always more in the mood for scooby-doo and now, the reason why this podcast has the name it does, The Real Folk Blues. Mm-hmm. So the end credits for the show use a song called The Real Folk Blues, um, which I didn't really catch with the first episode just because Netflix rolled quickly onto the next episode rather than letting me watch it through. So, yeah, for this one, I made sure to, to watch it through. Um, and it's a very different tone, yeah, when you, you've got um, these sort of tableaus playing um, through it with this blue filter over it that looks quite melancholy yeah. um, as the music's playing, which is really at odds with the intro song, 
um, but could marry up a lot more with the very first opening scene of the first episode as part of a narrative. Yeah, they're both in that blue monochrome. Also, it's all Spike. Um, yep. It's Spike and some other people who... Yeah, some other people. Yeah, some people we can't identify. Yes, a young woman who one assumes he has a romantic relationship with, just based on the bits you see. Um, yeah, and, and it looks a bit like, um, you know, the, that bit in a rom-com where you have the uh, the low point of the movie when, you know, when the the two romantic leads have had a fight and they're in their separate places having a bit of a cry. Um, but we only have Spike having his cry in the rain, stood outside looking very, yeah, yeah, very Edward Cullen about things. Um, but but don't have the context about why that's happening. Yeah, there's so little that I can say without giving stuff away um, in terms of the visuals. Spoilers. Um, yeah, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. One thing I will say about the the song, even though it's called The Real Folk, and I think it's an absolutely gorgeous sounding song. I mean, I think any Cowboy Bebop fan would kind of say that, but the instant you hear those, you know, that da 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 your your heart kind of gets set on edge if you're a, if you're a fan of this show. <laughs> I'm um, not there yet. It's also, it's much more, obviously it has lyrics, whereas Tank doesn't really, and it it's much more of a kind of mix of kind of rock ballad and jazz. You've got the, you've got the trombones and the saxophones uh, playing more of a jazz inflected thing, but then you've also got a very kind of guitar soloy rock thing going mm-hmm. on. So you've got kind of two songs almost competing against each other. Yeah, I would say it's quickly becoming clear just from watching two episodes that the music is really important. Yes, uh, and and the fact that you know one of the my original um, takes from the title of the show before I knew anything about it was about it being somehow musically related. You know, bebop yeah. um, is something that infers musicality, and it and it is becoming clearer that 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 will be sustained. Yeah. So well, although I'm not going to get a musical episode, apparently I can at least be promised some some good music. You can be promised some absolutely excellent music oh i'm going in strong i mean saying that the music in cowboy bebop is great is kind of like uh saying that you think citizen kane is a pretty good movie it's (laughs) it's if you hear interviews with anyone regardless of whether they're fans whether they were involved in any aspect of production the thing they'll say first when they're asked what's the best thing about the show is the music well i can confirm as an absolute um plebeian to this topic that that comes across very early on so yeah we'll have lots more to say about the music but now all we have left to say is a little bit about the tag for next time you've now seen another of the characters from your lineup yes yes we have the well what i shamelessly refer to as the token woman um but it seems as though there are more women um in some form or other but anyway um yes that she she's at least that's i'm assuming that's who i'm saying in the little preview bit yeah no that's her yeah this is fairly typical of the previews for this show in that there's no dialogue from the episode there's no dialogue from the next episode in the preview it's just kind of some narration and some musings this is kind of this character roughly laying out her life philosophy yeah it's a bit film noir-y as well and yeah, it's, it's basically just a series of quick little vignettes which give you a flavour 
and tell you absolutely nothing about what the narrative of the episode will be, which to my mind is an ideal preview. I, I was going to say, that's what you want from a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want them to give you the plot points. I usually don't watch previews on shows because they spoil too much, but these don't. Uh, there's nothing left to say, but see you space corgis. <laughs> If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at realfolkreviews at gmail.com, look up our Facebook page, or find us on Reddit at u slash therealfolkreviews. Thanks for listening.